Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Life is a story we tell ourselves. We are so excited to be in our second full month with hundreds of listeners, and we really appreciate your support and your love for storytelling. In fact, if you are a storyteller, we invite you to submit your stories that you can tell us on the podcast. Just go to our website at Life is a Story Podcast and select Share Your Story. There you can leave a two-minute audio file of your story, and we will let you know if you were selected to join us to tell your story. In the coming weeks, we have some great storytelling interviews scheduled. In July, we will feature Yosemite Ranger Shelton Johnson, who will share his favorite stories with us. Shelton has appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show and has prominent, and was prominently featured in the Ken Burns documentary on National Parks. Shelton is world famous for his reenactment of Buffalo Soldiers. If you don't know about the Buffalo Soldiers, you will want to join us to learn more about these African-American soldiers who protected many of our national parks. Then later in August, we will be joined by former National Park Service Director John Jarvis and his daughter, who will share their stories with us. So Anna, one of the fondest memories I have of you as a little kid is you following me around as we were doing projects around the house. Do you remember that? You know, everything we were doing um, was for these projects that we would do together. And so like whenever you were home, there was always something going on and we always did that stuff together. You mean projects like the time we uh, put in a, a hot water heater uh, under the house and um, oh, I had I like about that. 36 um, wells that I needed to do in this uh, copper piping and we were under the house all day long and you were just a little kid and you were under the house with me. Yeah, I wanted to know what was going on and you always explained everything to me. That's why I can diagnose people's problems over the phone now and I just have no problem uh doing those kinds of activities around the house. So, but it all really started when you were like uh, seven years old or so, or maybe even younger than that, six or seven years old, when you would go shopping at the hardware store. I thought it was when you asked me to go shopping with you for your prom dress and you're like 16 or 17 and like a totally spaced out that no, this has been going on, you know, forever. (laughs) And like, there's more to the story than that, because I think it ended up happening because your mom and your brother were terrible shoppers. <laughs> they always took too long to go shopping. They couldn't ever make a decision. And so we actually would leave them and, uh, and do our own shopping by ourselves because we couldn't stand the fact that they couldn't make a decision and they were always taking so long. No, I remember we would, uh, on rare occasions when we would be grilling and we would forget an ingredient, um, mom and Tim would go to the store and sometimes they just wouldn't come back for hours. And you and I would, you know, we just lollygag. We'd be making lemonade. Maybe we'd watch a show or turn on football. You know, we'd kind of just wander around. And then at one point, you know, you would always just kind of walk over to the dining room and look out the windows at the, uh, at the driveway. And you would just say, I wonder where your mom and Timothy are. And, you know, like magic, they would always arrive within like 10 minutes of that. But it was just just long enough that you were just kind of ask the universe if they were ever going to come back from the grocery store. (laughs) Well, they would be want they would be wandering around. And even more recently that this has continued. I mean, you're 30 years old now. What was it a couple of years ago 
we met in Miami just for a shopping expedition. And we were so efficient. I mean, that was uh, that was magical. I mean, we knocked out four or five department stores in a day and just got everything done. And so one of the other things that we did on that trip to, uh, to Florida that was really great um, was actually a friend of mine was getting married and we made a special trip to the mall to, to get me a dress for the wedding, which was really fun. Um, we went to five or six different stores, I think, and, and just kind of wandered and we'd saved so much time that it just ended up being a, a kind of no pressure shopping trip. And, and I ended up with the perfect dress. Well, what we're leaving out though on all of these uh, shopping expeditions that the number one motivation for us going shopping was to save money. So even back when we were shopping for your prom dress, as you remember, we were going and looking for sales that even, I mean, you got this beautiful prom dress at, I think it was Neiman Marcus or one of those kind of stores. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And it was like, but I mean, it was really a deal. It was like 60 or 70% off. And, um, and the same with the dress in, in Florida. So, I mean, it was always going uh, and uh, shopping for for deals that we were looking for. And that's always been the funnest thing about shopping with you is that uh, it's never stressful. We always have an idea, a very good idea in mind and we kind of talk about it on our way through the parking lot and then we just go for go for what we've talked about. Um, but yeah, it's always been nice to to kind of do that hunting and have fun with it. Yeah. I don't know if it runs in the family with, with the girls because your older sister, Kina, is exactly the, the same way. I'd end up going shopping with her, and she would never, ever uh, want to go shopping or do anything uh, unless she was going to get a deal. It was like not even in her consciousness to buy, to pay uh, retail for something. <laughs> uh, but that was, a, that was a lot of fun, no doubt. So other than all the shopping trips we did together, do you have any other Father's Day memories that, that come to mind? You mentioned fishing the other day. Yeah, so I don't remember um, kind of the individual fishing trips. I just remember that f- the fishing trips that we did were, um, they were always kind of, sp- I felt like they were always kind of spur of the moment. Like I felt like you would wake up one morning and just be like, hey guys, we're going to go fishing today. And it was always really exciting um, because you never know what's going to happen, you know, when you go down to, to Folsom Lake. And so sometimes, you know, we would go down there and the water would be really high. Sometimes it was, you know, disastrously low when California started having um, some serious droughts. Uh, so anytime that we went down there was always kind of this adventure that was just down the street. It was a lot of fun being able to walk down to the lake. Well, talk about spur of the moment. So, of course, you won't remember this because you were only a few weeks old. But the one thing I remember when you were first born, we took a trip to uh, the White Mountains, which are um, on the east side of 395 in California, on the opposite side of the Sierra. So there's this valley, the Owens Valley, that splits uh, the White Mountains from the Sierra. And we went up into the, uh, to the White Mountains, and one of the things that's uh, just absolutely beautiful about the White Mountains is that's where the uh, oldest trees in the world are, uh, the bristlecone pine. And so it was actually on my birthday. So you were born in June, so six months later, five months later in October, we took this trip 
up into the mountains and we got there and you were just this little baby, but we got there in the middle of the night. It was a full moon and it was the most magical time that uh, anyone could, could ever remember. And I took a little hike at night in the full moon and uh, to see the bristlecone pines in the moonlight. And it was really special because you were a newborn baby and uh, we thought we would christen you by taking you up into the mountains uh, <laughs> like that. It was just uh, wonderful. That's one of my most fond memories of you is on uh, trips that, that we took. And of course, when you were older, seven or eight years old, we took that hike, uh, which we've already talked about on the podcast when we took the hike up into the Sierra along the John Muir Trail. When I mean, you guys were just little kids hiking over snow passes and up switchbacks and uh, crossing raging creeks from the melting snow because there had been a big snow that year. Um, so I have a lot of fond memories with you uh, in the wilderness and on hikes. Well, one of my favorite ones is, uh, I, I don't remember where we were, and maybe maybe you will, um, but we had a, a trail guide or a park ranger was with us, and um, you and I were with the trail guide, and, and mom and Tim had fallen behind a little bit, and uh, we reached kind of this, this peak amongst the path where we were, and uh, you know, we waited and, and the trail guide said, you know, let's let's wait for your, your wife and son and we'll just rest here for a minute. This is a good place to stop. And, you know, we sat down and got some water and uh, he kind of pointed at me and said, uh, huh, she really keeps up with you. I'm surprised. And you just you were just not surprised at all. You just kind of shrugged and you were like, hey, she usually does. <laughs> and and that was the highest compliment for me. Like, I just, I remember feeling so proud of myself that like I kept up with my dad on these hikes and like the trail guide noticed me. Like I just, I felt so cool. <laughs> I remember well on that hike, I think it was at Glacier National Park is where we were. And uh, on that same hike, I think you'll remember this. Uh, so we had stopped and I don't know if the trail guide was with us uh, on this because we were at Glacier for quite some time. But anyway, we went around a bend as we were hiking on this narrow uh, trail. And just as we rounded the bend, uh, there was this mountain goat uh, right in the middle of the trail. There could have been a, a doll sheep, but it was up. But I think it was a, a mountain goat. It may have even been a big horned sheep. I can't remember, although we ha I think we have some photographs of it. And we all just froze in the path because we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go any further. I don't know if you remember that, but it was on that same trip. I do remember that vaguely. Um, yeah, I mean, Glacier was, Glacier was absolutely beautiful. I mean, being able to visit so many national and state parks all over the country, um, you know, they're just experiences a lot, that a lot of people don't have. Um, so it's kind of been nice to see a lot of, um, I don't know, new, new traction being gained across national and state parks um, all over the country where people are really recognizing the, the importance and the beauty of spending time in nature. And a lot of actually uh, my friends with very young kids are taking their kids on camping and hiking trips now because it's the only safe place to be with the pandemic. Um, yeah. So there's kind of a, a reappreciation a re happening for nature right now. Well, you know, that's interesting you mentioned that because a, a friend of mine, Paul Rogers, just uh, wrote an article in the San Jose Mercury News about the fact that the Land and Water Conservation Fund looks like it might be reauthorized, you know, something that I ended up working on 
most of my career, and we got close to it with uh, what was called the CARA legislation, the Conservation and Reinvestment Act. And now there's this new act that passed the Senate. And now they're trying to get it passed the House of Representatives. When I was working on this in the 90s, we got the bill passed the House of Representatives, and then the Senate uh, wouldn't pass it. So now it's reversed and nobody knows whether it's going to pass th that or not. But anyway, he was saying one of the reasons uh, that there was uh, such a movement to now reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is a fund that is funded by the Outer Continental Shelf Oil Royalties in the United States. It was enacted in, I think, 1965. And um, it pays for most of our state and national parks, and also for recreation areas in cities and, and counties and municipalities across the United States, and a lot of people don't even know about it. But one of the things that was mentioned in that article was that, you know, there's such an appreciation now that we're doing this physical distancing, and people have been so isolated. There's this tremendous uh, uh, appreciation now for the out of doors and for nature and what it means. And of course, we talked about this on an earlier uh, podcast when we talked about biophilia and the need for people to interact with the envir environment and how it contributes to their health and well-being. It's just one of the most Im important things. And um, so if there's anything that, that's good that's come out of this whole COVID-19 restriction in this uh, pandemic, it's been a greater appreciation for, for the out of doors. And yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of events that are now being kind of rethought. So people are now considering how to, um, how to hold concerts. And so musicians are trying to rethink outdoor venues and, and holding, you know, these kinds of major events in, in much larger spaces that really you, you just don't have right now. Um, so I think a lot of things are going to start taking place more out in nature, and it's going to just invite more people to to be able to experience and appreciate that. Well, you know, one of the other things, and it's it's kind of a negative thing that's that's happened. I guess it has its positive and negative sides. Is that people also appreciate uh, a lot more the human contact uh, that's uh, important. And in our case, you know, in our family, we were always hugging each other. And in fact, we had this tradition of what we call the hug alert, uh, <laughs> where we all got together in a big circle and you or your brother would yell hug alert and we'd all get together in a, in a big circle. And uh, it has everything to do with our theme music that's played on uh, this podcast. People often wonder, well, where's that theme music coming from? Or is that uh, some stock music that someone found but our our theme song was actually written as a result of our our hug alerts and um it's called never gonna let you go and we would hug each other and say we're never gonna let you go and that's how the song uh ended up uh getting uh written but in this whole COVID 19 uh thing in this isolation people now are recognizing you know i miss my hugs i miss seeing my uh relatives or my friends or being able to uh to hug each other uh, which is really um, important uh, to human beings, this physical contact that we have with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, there's just, there's so much to be said for human contact on a psychological level, on an emotional level, just uh, just general well-being at all. Um, and there's kind of this trend uh, since the pandemic kind of hit 
the United States where people are, you know, counting how many days that they were, you know, in, in quarantine and in isolation. And, you know, I'm somewhere around day 90. Um, and I can count how many hugs I've had during that time, which is so depressing. It's so depressing, but it also just makes me appreciate them so much more, so much more. Um, and it's, it's so much more valuable when I have a chance to see other people and spend time with them because there, there is no other distraction. It just doesn't exist. No one is running off somewhere. No one is stopping by. There's, there's only the time that you spend with another person and, and there's just kind of no distractions about it, which is, which is really great. Well, you know, I wrote a, a little piece not long ago on uh, hugging when this whole COVID-19 uh, started. Here goes. I'm just going to read this uh, briefly. This is my editorial comment about how important it is uh, to hug. I like hugs. I was reminded how much when Lorena and I came upon a friend at the market on Thursday, long before the coronavirus pandemic, and we all made our little hug circle as we greeted one another. I told this friend the story about my family hug alerts, which usually occurred when I arrived home from work, but not always. Sometimes someone just yelled, hug alert, and we'd all form, in this case, a big hug circle and embrace each other in a ball of comfort. I like hugs now more than ever. And maybe it's because as I get older, I know, like that old Negro spiritual says, I ain't got long to stay here. Or with the advent of social distancing, hugs have become a rare pleasure. I'm also saddened by the current state of the world where hugs have been perverted into unwanted advances or mistaken for something other than what they are. Yeah, I know, there are bad actors who hug with ill intent. I was an equal opportunity investigator for my, my organization years ago and often had to ferret out those bad actors. And later as a manager and chief executive, had to discipline or fire such bad actors. For a time, it caused me to abandon my like for hugging, except within the confines of my family and very, very close friends. Despite what we see and hear in the news about inappropriate touching, including the simple placement of a hand or pat on the back, I'm happy to be retired and living in a country that embraces the act of hugging. Correspondences between friends often sign off here with abrazos, which means hugs. And I'm happy that there is a sense of normalcy restored to the ability of human beings to show affection for one another in a spirit of friendship. I mean, who wants to live in a world where the expression of love of our common humanity is turned into a crime? Or in a world where the threat of a death from a sub-microscopic virus has rendered hugs taboo? Thank you for listening to this week's special Father's Day episode of Life is a Story We Tell Ourselves. Happy Father's Day to my dad and the fathers of all of our listeners. Thank you for joining my father and I as we reminisced about some of our favorite memories together. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. You can also find us on the web at lifeisastorypodcast.com. Join us next week for a story about an evil family rooster, Diablo. From our family to yours, stay safe, share happiness, and remember, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing.